Mindfulness Mode 438. For every judgment you have, nothing that doesn't match that judgment can come into your world. So if you decide something's right, that's the only way you can see it. Hey, welcome to Mindfulness Mode. I'm Bruce, your Mindfulness Life Coach and host of the show. So excited to have you here. I have a free meditation that I've created for you, and it can help you be more focused. It can help you just to feel more grounded and more relaxed. And you can get this free guided meditation at mindfulnessmode.com slash waves of content. Hey, I put together a membership group called the Mindful Tribe Retreat, and it's a virtual retreat where you can join me and we will be there to we will be there to be accountable to each other, we'll be there to learn about mindfulness, support each other, and it'll be a very positive, very vibrant community of like-minded people. And you can get in at an early bird price by end, you can be one of the founding members if you act right away. We'll have a two-hour live call every month and we'll talk about topics that truly matter, like pain and fear and forgiveness. You can sign up for this uh, awesome group at mindfulnessmode.com forward slash MTR. So Mindful Tribe, today I have a guest who has written a book about being a gentleman. And I think this is something that in this day and age, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, how do we fulfill our roles as women, as men? And I think, well, I read the book. It was very, very interesting. I found it helpful. I found it excellent. And I think you will enjoy this interview as I spend a little bit of time with Dane here. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's interview. Hey, Mindful Tribe. We are here with a very exciting guest, and we're going to be talking about consciousness, mindfulness, and all kinds of different aspects of that. Of course, my guest has really taken this to a new level, and you'll see what I mean when we get started on the on the interview. Today, I've got with me Dr. Dane here. So, Dr. Here, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am so in mindfulness mode. I am ready. Let's That's do it, Bruce. That's great. Well, Dr. Here is a best-selling author, and I uh, just finished his book not too long ago, which is the, the one I have in my hand, is called Return of the Gentleman. And I think that's something that we, we all need to be very aware of what's happening in our world as far as, you know, male, female, whole gender identity. And, and I found that this was a, an excellent book with a lot of great ideas presented. Well, like I said, Dr. Here is a best-selling author. He's an entrepreneur, an internationally renowned speaker, and co-creator and leading facilitator of Access Consciousness, which is known across the world. And Dr. Dane was originally raised in the ghettos of Los Angeles and then trained as a chiropractor. And he's the co-founder of a number of businesses around the world and a conscious and creative thought leader. There's so much I could say about you, Dr. Here, but uh, tell us what mindfulness means to you. Well, for me, mindfulness is being present in every moment with no judgment. And 
which gives you a capacity to have awareness of everything that's going on around you and know what you can choose that will actually create the result you're looking for or create a greater result for the people around you. You are one of the original people with Access Consciousness. How did that come up about? How did you form that company? Well, actually, it was founded 10 years before I came along by a, a gentleman by the name of Gary Douglas. And what he was looking for, he got to a point in his life where he's like, if this is all there is, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. And so he started his search, as so many of us do, and started realizing that that what looks like reality to us it's actually malleable if you can access the awareness that you have, which is why we call it access consciousness. And see, we have a definition of consciousness, which is where everything exists and nothing is judged. And he started going down that path. And about 19 years ago, I was at a place in my life where I was like, look, if my life doesn't change, I'm out of here. And I had one session of access consciousness bars. It's this light touch technique that's done on the head. And I literally went in there depressed and suicidal. And I came out with a sense of gratitude and a sense of possibility for life and future that I hadn't had in years. And so I was like, wow, this is amazing. And so I joined him a few short months after that in co-creating this around the world. And so do you now do that process yourself, the bars process? Oh, yes, that and so many other things. It's It's been... The thing about access is it continuously changes and grows, which is really wonderful because we should continuously change and grow too. So it's been a constant process of exploration over the last 19 years of where are people really limiting themselves? And then we also look from if this reality as we see it weren't the only choice, what choices do we have possible beyond this reality? Because we have we've had so many things that people call miracles. And from my point of view, there's, you know, if we have whatever reality somebody's functioning from that's sort of this, this ball of what is real, well, if you have a level of consciousness beyond that and you apply that to this smaller limited reality, that's what people call a miracle. But the person with this level of consciousness is like, well, it's not a miracle in that it, it is actually explainable. What we did is we undid the unconsciousness around this. We undid our, our fixed points of view, if you will. We undid what was sticking us. And that's what created the result. So that's what we've been looking for and looking to offer people for the last 30 years. If, you know, if we take from when it started. Well, things have really changed as far as this whole discussion of consciousness and mindfulness. Of course, mindfulness is a term that has come come upon more recently, really, and is now widespread. But how do you think the world can benefit from, from this change? From my point of view, this change is actually the change the world requires. And because if we look at it, if we look at it on a smaller scale in our lives, the only time we ever create a difficulty or create things that don't work out well for us is when we function from unconsciousness, which is unawareness, or anti-consciousness, which is where we go against our awareness to, you know, validate somebody else's point of view or whatever we're trying to do. And when we start to become more conscious, what happens is our lives just get easier. We get more productive. We have less sickness, less tiredness, less depression. We have more capacity to create, which means more money, which means better relationships, which means a more fulfilling and happy life. And if we apply that, see, you know, a lot of us that are doing this type of work, you know, we have this awareness of 
something needs to change on our planet. You know, science is telling us we have 12 years. If we don't change things within the next 12 years, our planet's not going to sustain us any longer, and it'll be too late to reverse it. From my point of view, consciousness is the one thing that can create the change that we all know is possible, that we've all been looking for. And what that means is to get out of judgment and get out of the rightness and the wrongness of anybody's point of view, including ours. And as we do, it starts to open up is these other awarenesses and other possibilities for ways of doing things, ways of creating change, you know, like cleaning up the plastic in the ocean, ways of creating sustainable agriculture, sustainable living systems that we have available. But if we're functioning, because if, so if consciousness, from my point of view, consciousness is where every possibility exists. And in so much of the world, we've gotten away from possibility. We, we try to do what's right. We try to do it the way we're supposed to. What consciousness opens up is, well, if that's not your only choice, then what else is possible? Which is a question I give people around the world. I say, please ask, what else is possible? And ask, how does it get any better than this? And part of mindfulness for me is continuously being in the question to the point where I live as the question. When something shows up, even if it, it looks really bad at the time, I go, okay, so what's right about this I'm not getting? What else is possible here? And what's it going to take to change this? If we can get out of our reality of conclusion and judgment, because for every judgment you have, nothing that doesn't match that judgment can come into your world. So if you decide something's right, that's the only way you can see it. If you decide it's wrong, that's the only way you can see it. And if we would get out of our judgment and instead go, what is this? What do I do with it? Can I change it? And if so, how do I change it? You've got a totally different place to function from because we're no longer going from this is right, this is wrong, this is good, this is bad, this is terrible. We go, okay, may look terrible, but what choice do I have that can change it into something that's not terrible? I'm very interested in talking to you about your book, The uh, Return of the Gentleman. What was the main message you wanted to get across in your book? And why did you decide to write this book? Well, I, if I may answer the first question first, I wrote it because I was sitting at one of the conferences I was delivering with a 23-year-old man who was a friend of mine who'd been, and we met each other through Access Consciousness classes. He was attending classes I was doing. And he turned to me and he said, I want to say thank you. And I said, for what? He said, you have shown me how to be a man in the world. And I went, what? What are you talking about? He's like, you don't understand. He's like, for years, I searched the internet for how to be a man, how to be a good man. And I tried to find the answers for how to be the man that I wanted to be because I didn't see anybody in my life being it, including my father, including all of my male role models in my life. Nobody was being somebody who was there present as them, not judging people, not trying to pretend to be macho, not making their entire life about getting women into bed, et cetera, et cetera, all these stereotypes that we have. He said, and I met you and you were being different and you've given me permission to be what I really am. And I realized I'm a kind person. I actually adore women and I like having sex with them. He's like, and I, you know, I stand up for women's rights and I stand up for the women in my life. And he said, you've shown me this is possible. And I was like, it blew me away. I had no idea. And I had no idea that this information wasn't out there. And I had no idea that the way that I was looking at, at being a man, being a gentleman in the world was something that, that might actually contribute to other men and women. Because this conversation is, is definitely not just about men. It's about all of us. And that's, that's part of what a gentleman does is includes 
everyone in his life to see how he can actually make it greater. And so I decided to write the book because this conversation with him, and then there were a couple other guys who walked over to the table and they heard our conversation. They said, yeah, I've got to say this too. I didn't have any idea that I could be a strong man without, without trying to domineer people and, and overpower them. And I've learned that too. And I was like, whoa, okay, let's have this conversation. So I created a series of Zooms with some gentlemen from around the world. And we explored this topic. And in exploring the topic, I realized this, this needs to go out into the world. And it was interesting because the, the guys that listened to the Zoom would send me emails and say, thank you so much. I finally realized I'm not wrong. And I finally realized I'm just different than what I thought a man was supposed to be. And nobody ever showed me anything different. And women would send in emails saying, thank you so much for this. And, and I get this from the book also. It would, the number of times a lady, a woman would send in an email and say, thank you so much. My husband or my boyfriend has either read your book or watched the Zooms. And I feel like I have the man back that I got in relationship with. I don't know where he went, but he disappeared somewhere along the way and he's back. And so my target in writing the book and my message with the book is we as gentlemen in the world have a place. And, but what we have to offer the world is different than what we've been taught a typical man is supposed to be that we judge ourselves for not being and that if we would actually step into the recognition that we can be everything that we are, we've got a chance to not only change our lives for the greater and all the relationships in our lives, but with enough of us doing it, we have a chance to change the future of relationship and the future of masculinity and femininity on the planet so that it's not a separation and a destructive element, but a creative and generative element. Well, I love the tone of the book and how you got those messages across in such a relatively quick, easy read book. It's not a big, thick book that you have to devote, you know, several weeks to reading. You can read it, you know, in a couple of days quite easily. And I just wonder, what is the mindfulness that it takes to put together a book that is so concise like that and easy to digest? Well, the beauty of this is my schedule is so busy at this point that it, it really was where I had to rely on other people to take the salient points because for me, I want to tell everybody everything all the time, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. thinking somehow, if I can give you more info, your life will, I'm sure it'll get better, you know, which is an insane point of view on my part. And so what I did is I took several of the things that I wanted to make sure that were in there and spoke about them, talked about them, recorded them. And then I asked some people that I trust dynamically. I asked three different people. I said, Hey, will you please contribute to this? And um, my business manager, communications coordinator is phenomenal at calling all kinds of different pieces of information and taking what is actually the most contributory and the most concise and putting it together. And we worked with an amazing editor to put all that together. And it really was for me a, I'm going to say a leap of mindfulness, if you will, where I was just like, okay, I'm trusting the universe that this can be done in a different and easier way than I've done it before. And, and I had trust in the people that contributed to it. And they, from my point of view, they did a phenomenal job pulling many pieces together and, and creating this book out of it. So doctor here today, right now, what's your biggest fear? What's your biggest fear challenge? 
Well, I would love to say I have fear, but I don't. Now, when I say that, now I have to also say there, there are certain things that I will say that are from an awareness gain from 19 years of exploring a different reality beyond this one, if you will. And so when I say that to, you know, to, to say that out loud, a lot of people go, Oh, you're, you're just delusional. You're, you're, uh, what is that? Uh, when you separate, you know, you're separating yourself from what's real. No, I'm actually extremely present with what is real. And, and, and I contrast that with where I was 19 years ago, I had fear running my life. And so what I've come to realize is fear is not a reality. It's an invention. And it's also something I call an implanted point of view. It's something that, and an implanted point of view is a false version of reality that we function from that seems more intense than reality itself. And we, what does an implant consist of? Well, my sense is part of it is where, you know, let's say you have parents who live in fear as mine did. What we do is we tend to pick that up so dynamically that it acts like its own artificial intelligence in our head now. And so you go to react, a situation comes up and your first reaction is that same thing that you learn from mom and dad. You know, these people you trust, these people that love you, they brought you into the world, you know? And so you go into that reaction. Well, what I've done is, is changed it over the years using access consciousness tools. And what's interesting to me, it, it would be one thing if this just worked for me and I was out of fear, but I'm the only one and everybody else that uses these tools still has it. I see this, I've seen this occur with hundreds of thousands of people who live their lives from fear. And, and you know, if you were to ask them, what is your fear? They go, I don't have fear. I just have an awareness of possibilities. There are things that come up, but they don't create fear in my world anymore. Instead, now I'm really present with it and I'll stare the tiger in the eyes and go, who's going to blink first? And so this fear that stops so many people, it, it's, it's actually an invention. It's actually something that we can change really quickly and dynamically if we'll allow ourselves to. But we first got to get to the awareness that, okay, and, and one of the things I learned a long time ago is if somebody else can do it, so can I. And I didn't always believe that, by the way. I've learned that over the years. But so I say, look, if I can do it, if hundreds of thousands of people around the world can do it, so can you. And the difficulty is a lot of us value our fear. And, and what I found is, and if, if you'll look at the physiology of it, physiologically, fear and excitement are, are the exact same energy. And so... The number of times somebody has said, I'm starting a new business and I'm so afraid. And I go, wait a minute, are you afraid or are you excited? And they go, oh my God, I'm actually excited. I know. I'm like, but we've all learned to misidentify and misapply excitement as fear for most of us. And so it's oftentimes the things that excite us the most where we go, oh my God, I'm so afraid. And I love the story Gary tells. He says, you know, I was going on a Ferris wheel when I was six years old and I was so excited and I was jumping up and down. And I was pulling on my mom's skirt, so excited. And she looked down and said, now, don't be afraid, dear. And from that moment on, he misidentified that energy as fear. And he said, you know, it really ran my life. And, but the biggest problem was when I went to have sex for the first time. I was, wait a minute, I was terrified. But no, I wasn't terrified. I was excited. And that's when it started breaking apart for him. So there are different, what we have in access consciousness is totally different ways of looking at things that are from beyond the reality that we've lived that's been handed to us. But it's from a reality of, if I were truly an infinite being, what would I choose? And how do I get there? 
because it's one thing to ask that question. And, you know, if you ask somebody involved in, in mindfulness or certain spiritual searches, you know, are you an infinite being? They go, well, yeah, but why does my life look this way if I'm an infinite being? I'm like, exactly. But if you are, if that's actually true, then there's a way to get a lot closer to the choices an infinite being would have, which is really what access consciousness is about. Well, you talked about bars already. You you mentioned about bars as being one of the amazing tools that access consciousness offers. What are some of the other tools? Well, there are, we have about 8,000. So let me just give you, and I've given you a couple already. One, one is to always ask a question rather than come to conclusion. And how does that work? Well, something shows up, you know, like, let's say you get a bill that's five times what you thought it was. The initial reaction most people have is, oh my God, and then they contract. And then it's a trauma that sits with them sometimes for days, sometimes weeks, sometimes months. That's where, that's where they stop creating their lives. So in that case, you want to go, okay, cool. What's right about this? I'm not getting. Can I change this? And if so, what's it going to take to change this? So that fundamental way of being in the world where you start functioning from question and start asking questions, even if you don't believe it, because not a lot of us believe it when, when we have something go on because we want to decide that it's bad or wrong or, or terrible. And we need to get out of that because that judgment of it, once again, any judgment you make, nothing that doesn't match that judgment can come into your awareness. So in addition to the question, what goes with that is getting out of judgment of right or wrong. Because the interesting thing is, you know, if we judge something as bad and terrible, at least that thing we're willing to change. But when we judge something as right, good, perfect, or correct, that's still a judgment, but we're not willing to change it. And so like, for example, before Access, I had this girlfriend and I decided she was the perfect girl for me. And I just knew it. And so I couldn't see where she actually didn't really like me that much. I couldn't see where she would say things to invalidate me in front of other people. Like, oh yeah, he's just a chiropractor, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, all those sorts of things because of that judgment that I had. So if we can get out of judgment, we can start to get to awareness which is often totally different than the judgment that we had about how something is going or how it works. And another thing we have is a clearing statement, which is also in the book. And that, that is one thing that is a way to clear limited beliefs, to clear you know, the, the BS beliefs that we have uh, in a really dynamic way. And you know, sometimes, you know, I'll say it and sometimes people go, ah, are you speaking a foreign language? But what it does is it's a way of, for any limited point of view you have that you want to change, what I used to do before having access to this clearing statement was I would do visualization and try to follow it back as far as I could and try to get where I had locked it in place so I could unlock it. With this, you can unlock thousands of points of view all at the same time just by asking for it. And for me, it's one of the tools that, that consciousness is providing us to make the journey easier. It's sort of like this magic wand to get over your crap with a lot more ease rather than having to work so hard at it. I don't mind hard work. Don't get me wrong. But I'd like it to be, if I'm going to work hard, I want it to be really effective and create a great result. And that's what this does. Sure. What does your own personal meditation practice look like, Dr. Here? Well, I'm probably going to go out a limb on this one also because I don't meditate. 
I used to before access, I would sit and meditate or try to, as I should say. And I know, you know, when, when a person begins to meditate, we all know it's, you know, the best attempt um, until that space where you can get to the awareness of, of that space of being. At this point, my life is like a walking, talking meditation. In other words, the, well, let me actually, let me um, join this with your previous question about tools, because this is, from my point of view, it's vital. Um, and one of the things that we found in Access Consciousness is 98% of our thoughts, feelings, and emotions are things we pick up from other people, and nobody knows it. So 98% of the monkey mind that goes on is things that you're picking up from others without even knowing that you could be that psychic and aware but we're all like big psychic radio receivers. We're like big psychic SpongeBob's. And so what would happen for me is I would go to meditate and, you know, and I'd be there and I would, and I would get this thought in my head, Oh man, I got to pick the kids up. And I'm like, wait, I don't have kids. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm like, what, what? And then I would go, Oh, I've got to wash the windows. I'm like, no, I live in an apartment. They do that. You know? And there were all these things that were in my head and I didn't understand it. And then I got to access consciousness. And one of the first tools I got, was to ask this question, who does this belong to? To every thought, feeling, emotion, judgment, you know, the weird heavy energies that we get, mm -hmm. ask who does this belong to? And if it lightens up at all, it's not yours, you're picking it up from somebody else. And so the very next morning I woke up, I, I what happened was I had this bar session and it was like, oh my God, everything is possible. And I was so excited to be alive. Then I went to sleep and as I often did, I woke up the next morning and I think a lot of people who are into mindfulness can relate to this. You go to sleep feeling good. You may have just meditated before bed or whatever. You're oneness with the universe. And you wake up and you're like, oh my God, what's going on? You know, it feels like yeah. the south end of a northbound elephant is sitting on your head, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so I had just gotten this tool. Who does this belong to? And I was sitting there depressed as could be, as, I, as often happened when I woke up. And I actually was sitting there literally lying in bed crying because I just had this amazing opening the night before, the day before, and here it felt like it was all gone. Who does this belong to was written down by the person that did my bars session. And I said it when I emptied my pockets, I happened to set it by my clock. And what would happen for me is I would wake up in the morning and I would cry because of fear, because of being sad and feeling like all the things I knew I wanted to create were not happening. And so here I am, I have that elephant on my head. I look over to see how long I have to lament my life before I have to get up and, and be a doctor and try to help people. And I read these words, who does this belong to? And instantly gone. My eyes were open like that wide-eyed emoji. You know, I was like, what? And it literally, it wasn't there. And I looked for it and I couldn't find it. And I was overjoyed and pissed off all at the same time. I was overjoyed because it went away and pissed off because I'm like, Somebody should have told me this when I, as soon as I could talk, that I'm this aware, this psychic, none of this stuff is yours. And so this, so for me, in, we have this, we actually have an app for it. We have a, who does this belong to app? It's free. There are videos there of me explaining the very statement, me explaining how to do this. But so what I did was I, in, in doing this thing that we suggest of asking, who does this belong to, to every thought, feeling, and emotion that we have for three days, and every heaviness and every judgment. And if it lightens up, it's not yours. All you do is return it to sender with consciousness attached. And don't worry if most of the people you picked it up from, it wasn't theirs either. So it actually goes back to the original source, wherever the heck that is. 
In fact, I have this point of view that there's probably just one person thinking on the planet and 8 billion of us are picking it up. So after doing this, who does this belong to for three days, I literally walked around my life like a walking, talking meditation. And at this point, I travel over 90% of my life and I can walk through cities like Sydney, New York, Shanghai, um, you name it, and I don't have any thoughts in my head. And so when I say my, my life really is a walking, talking meditation, I don't say that from a superiority. I say it from an awareness of as beings, that's my sense of how we would be. You know, if you look at a dog, they don't think, they just be. Cats, dolphins, horses, every other animal on the planet just is. I mean, could you imagine if you had a mind like most of us do and you were a horse standing there all day eating, you'd drive yourself crazy. But they don't sit there thinking. They don't go, oh, my God, I, I'm really, I'm too tall. Oh, my butt's big. My, You know, all this <laughs> crap that, we, that yeah. we put in our heads. You know, and if we can get rid of 99, 98% of our thoughts, feelings, and emotions, then the rest we can actually deal with with a lot more ease. And I think part of our attempt to deal with some of the things we have is such a difficulty because it's not our stuff. And if it's not yours, you can't change it. The only thing you can do to change it is acknowledge it's not yours and let go of it. Well, I, I really like that. And I think that app would be just awesome. Who does this belong to? is the name of yep. the app. So yeah, check out that app and download it. I always ask a question about bullying, Dr. Doctor here, because I've worked in that area for over 10 years. Have you a story about bullying, either where you were a bully, you were bullied, or it could be in business or in childhood, where mindfulness would have made a difference? Oh my, well, let's put it this way. From my point of view, in every situation of bullying, mindfulness would make a difference if it were available. And I say that because let's let's look at the bully. Somebody is only a bully when they feel like they have no power, when they have no value, and they're trying to overcome that sense of deep-seated insecurity about themselves. And if and what I've seen, it's interesting because I've actually worked with bullies and I've worked with a lot of people who've been bullied. And what's interesting in working with the bullies is, you know, and they'll say to me, it's because I'll have a conversation in class about bullying or something in that realm and or abuse or whatever. They're they're They sort of play together, you know, and someone will come to me and say, hey, it's really tough to say, but I have been a bully. I've been bullying my kids. I've been and I say to them, I'm like, so were you ever acknowledged for having value? Just as you, were you ever acknowledged as being value, you existing on this planet? And they go, no, not one time I can think of. And then what I ask them is this question. I say, what would happen if you started treating people the way you should have been treated, not the way you were treated? And they go, whoa, wait a minute. I can do that? I'm like, yeah, this, the, your life is your choice at this point. Yeah, you had this childhood and you've had this, this life up until this point that has been led from this place, but this is your choice now. So what would happen if you treated people the way you should have been treated, not the way you were treated? And then they start and they get in their awareness. And this is also from, you know, from my sense of where, where the mindfulness starts being able to flood into their world. Because from my point of view, mindfulness is also the awareness of what actually is, not the lies about what is not. And it floods into their awareness that this is the way they were treated 
that they're now treating other people. And this is what I see with most people is that they treat people the way they were treated without even realizing it. And when they get that awareness, their world shifts. I can't tell you the number of times somebody was a bully and and says, I am changing this. And I went to yell at my child the other day, just like my dad used to yell at me. And I just stopped myself. And now the other beauty is we have these access consciousness tools, including the clearing statement that make it easier to change that deep seated energy or that deep seated sort of foundation of that limitation, because it's an energy that's down there that you function from. And it's almost like you start from this energy and then you have only the choices that are based on that. And what we do with access with the clearing statement is we find out the points of view they have. We unlock those. Now that energy is not there that they function from. Now they actually have a space to function from. And from my point of view, once again, and I always say that from my point of view, because somebody else may have a different point of view and they're, they're welcome to have it. You know, it's like, I'm just providing this in case it contributes to somebody. But so for me, the sense of space, when we have a sense of space, which is what I believe meditation is designed to give us. And when we have a sense of space walking through our lives, which is what mindfulness is designed to give us, we don't function from resistance and reaction anymore. We don't function from fight anymore. And we also function from a sense of inclusion of everyone and everything. And so somebody will say, yes, I went to yell at my child just the way that, you know, my dad yelled at me. And I realized I was being my dad. And I asked myself, do I truly desire to be this way? And what if I treated my kid the way I should have been treated? And I stopped myself in the moment. I looked at them. I had tears in my eyes. And I said, "Um, I need to do something different can I have a hug? And, you know, it totally changed the situation. And so there's this different perspective that we can have. And what I've seen is for every limited point of view we have, for every way we function from limitation, there's this other perspective, there's this other awareness that we can have that will undo that limitation and actually turn it into possibility. And one of the things I say to people and ask them this question What if what you thought was your greatest wrongness is actually your greatest strongness? Because what is truly strong about us, what is truly the the essence of mindfulness or consciousness that we are, it has a strength to it. But in this reality we live in, it's so different than what people consider normal. And they keep trying to make us normal or they keep trying to make it so we can fit into this world. And so what they do is they, they try to eliminate those things that are the the greatness of us that are the strongness of us by somehow making it wrong because they just don't get it. You know, it's like if you start meditating and you go tell your, you know, your conservative family you're meditating, they're like, Oh my God, go be a vegetarian monk. You know, like we get, we get, we just get crap from people who don't get the gift of what it is for us. And also, also the gift that it can be on a larger scale. Doctor here for my listeners, what would be a first step if we wanted to uh, be more connected with access consciousness? Do you have to go to a live event? What would you have to do? Uh, there are so many. One, one might be to visit my website, which is drdanehere.com. And I say that because there's a lot of free stuff on there. Like you can check out some videos. Um, also the Return of the Gentleman book. And also I wrote another one called Being You, Changing the World. That one is in contrast to the Return of the Gentleman book, Being You, Changing the World is over 300 pages, but it's an easy read. Um, 
those are some really good ways. Also, I've got a YouTube channel with over 300 videos and the videos primarily are, there's different things. You know, there's one, seven things the universe would tell you if, if you would only listen. Um, but there's, there's all these things of just five minute videos of a tool that you can use to address a situation. Also, you know, if, if somebody is more interested in learning about the bars, we have a bars class, which is a one day class. And then we have classes after that. There's, there's so many, so many ways to get involved and, you know, and you can do so much of it without paying a dime. And there's a lot of it you can do with paying a few dimes, you know, and then, so we have it sort of all the way along the spectrum. What we wanted to do is, is pay forward this gift, you know, for all of us facilitators, what we wanted to do was pay forward this gift that access has been in our lives and give as many tools to people as we can so they can start changing things. And then if they want to come to a class, we're more than happy to see them there too. That's great. And we also have on, I thank you. And I was just going to add, we also have online classes, you know, like, like short courses that are available there too that are another way of sort of experiencing it to see if it's right for you and, and if it works for you. So it's drdanehere.com and Dane is D-A-I-N and here is H-E-E-R. So drdanehere.com. Check it out. I want to ask you five quick answer questions, if that's okay, Dr. Here. Sure. And just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has influenced mindfulness in your life? Oh, Gary Douglas, founder of Access Consciousness, no hands down. Yeah, he's a pretty amazing guy. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? The emotions have gone from sadness, despair, trauma and drama to ease, joy, exuberant expression and abundance and a sense of possibilities. Wow. Tell us about breathing and how that's part of your mindfulness. Breathing. I love it. Um, and you know, and some of my favorite meditations have been breathing meditations, but I notice when I tap into my breath and have that sense of the connection with my body and then breathe it out to the universe, there's, there's this sense of communion with everything that's possible if we'll allow it. Well, your book is, is awesome and I'm holding it up again here, Return of the Gentleman. What other book would you recommend that's related to mindfulness? I know that you have been a part of so many books that have been published. I would say being you changing the world or another of my books or another other book. Well, it could be another <laughs> other book as well. Okay. Um, so I would say being you changing the world as a, as a journey that truly, it's not just something you read and then think about, it changes you to be more mindful as you read it. And then I, and then what I would add to that is anything by Brene Brown. She's got such a vulnerable, present, beautiful, beautiful way of being that I would highly recommend anything that she writes. Yeah, she is life-changing. That's for sure. Can you share an app? Well, you already did share an app. You told us about an app, which helps you to be more mindful, but maybe you have another comment on that. Yep. I would say this Access Consciousness, Who Does This Belong To app, as far as mindfulness goes, as far as what I know to be offered with that is, because it reminds you to ask who does this belong to and tells you why and gives you tools that that's going to be top on my list. <laughs> okay, great. Well, it has been fantastic talking to you and uh, it's drdanehere.com. And uh, I just appreciate you being on the show so much, Dr. Here. 
Bruce, thank you so much. And, and I truly appreciate you bringing this awareness and getting it from so many people around the world. Thank you. You have a great rest of your day. Bye now. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. And remember what I mentioned at the top of the show, the Waves of Content Meditation. It's a guided meditation just for you, Mindful Tribe. It's free and it's very, very helpful to help you relax and get more focused. With more focus, you can get more things done in life that truly matter to you. On this meditation, I talk about waves and how the waves can bring you the more calm and more relaxed life you've been looking for. Download this guided meditation to calm your mind and relax your body. Mindfulnessmode.com slash waves of content. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep Mindfulness Mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.